0: Do you have goals for your life? Do you want to grow in God? Join me as we deep dive into real and relevant strategies that ignite you to seek God and slay goals. Hey y'all, get ready for a discussion about life business relationships and more all from a biblical perspective and I'm your host Felicia L Henry all right everybody welcome to another episode of the Seek God's Legos podcast and as always y'all already know what I'm about to say super excited to be here and I'm excited about the interview uh, that you guys are about to listen to Um, so today we're going to be talking to Christian winners and I was introduced to Christian um, through my church, actually. So my pastor brought in, everybody knows my pastor, Pastor Brian Pittman. Um, We did a leadership training some time ago, and um, Christian was one of the guest speakers for the leadership training and just the insight, the wisdom and the knowledge that he was dropping. I was like, wow, okay, this is really interesting um, and engaging. And so once I started the podcast, I definitely knew that I wanted to bring him on to share with this audience as well. And if you follow him on Facebook, you just know he's always dropping some knowledge. So I'm excited for him to come on and share with us today. So Christian, say hello. to How are you?
1: I'm doing well, and hello, everyone that's listening. Thank you so much for hanging out and um, wanting to hear the craziness that comes out of my mouth.
0: It's going to be good, y'all. It's <laughs> going to be good. So let's go ahead and hop right in. Introduce yourself. You know, we can always share who we are better than other people can. So introduce yourself. Who is Christian, and what are you? What are the things you're passionate about?
1: Well, I am Christian. I um, I was. Uh, called and sent into ministry super early in my life. Um, I didn't come from a church background. Um, No one in my family were pastors or anything like that. Um, We weren't even really church going people real heavy. Um, So it it was a call that came straight from God. It wasn't really, it wasn't cultivated by anyone else. Um, Surely it wasn't on my radar because I wasn't raised that way. And suddenly here I am. So I pastored a church, Well, I started my ministry on campuses. We had campus ministries. Um, we spread to about four campuses, Westchester, Villanova, uh, LaSalle and Millersville. And then eventually I started pastoring a church. I pastored for 22 years and um, I turned 40. Well, re- before I turned 40, God told me to retire and it was very scary. Um, so I disobeyed God for a while. I was, I was scared to, to go forward. And then I finally did it, you know, because I felt like what I was saying to my church needed to be around the world. And so here I am, the backpack creature kind of walking around, trying to represent Christ to people and show them that it's more than church. It's their life. And they were born for something. And I'm going to I'm going to die preaching that message that it was always bigger than church.
0: Wow. You just said so much. I feel like I have 10 questions that I want to ask you already just from your intro. But you mentioned, let's talk a little bit first about the call. You said you were called. You hear this phrase a lot, you know, just people say, oh, I'm called to do this, called to do that. What does that really mean? And what does that really look like?
1: Thank you so much for asking that question because I want to clear this up. I want to make this very clear. People may accept it or reject it, but let's just be truthful. If I say, come here, that means you come to me. I'm calling you to me. I'm not sending you anywhere. So a calling means come to the person that called you, not go anywhere, because how can you go when you don't even know what the person that called you is sending you to do? So usually when God calls you, you you spend years in a call, which is you and him, and then the sending. We mix that up. We say, I was called to do. You're never called to do anything but come. You're sent to do. You're called to come. Most people never come. They just go they just go and then they're out there and they have nothing to say because the sender never sent them and so if you're called you be quiet and you just come Ooh. anytime somebody's yelling about being called they're probably not
0: my god you know i'm just gonna leave that alone i'm, I'm gonna take some notes because that, that was good that was that was really good now you mentioned your podcast the backpack preacher talk to us a little bit more about that how did it start when did it start and just a little bit more about, you know, the message you're trying to share through it through the podcast. Um. Well, you know,
1: my church was trying to get me the podcast probably years ago. They bought all the equipment and everything, and I always refused to do it. And they were kind of upset with me because of it. And and it just wasn't time. I believe in time and signals. I believe that certain stuff God God can God can um, have an idea for you, but it doesn't mean it's the time. Um, timing is more important than gifting. Because you can be gifted and work it in wrong timing, and then it's not effective. And so it it wasn't the timing for me to do a podcast. And then suddenly, the world cracks open. I retired from pastoring. People are calling me crazy for doing that and all kinds of things. And then God said, now it's time for the podcast. Give people explanation because now the world doesn't know what to do. And you were crazy enough to follow me before. And so... Now they're listening to this podcast and I'm, the goal of it is simple. It is to let people know that your salvation and everything we, everything that Christ did on Calvary was too big for you to sit in church and listen to somebody talk every week and give your money when you should be listening to wider messages and investing in yourself and in the kingdom so that you can do what you were born to do because no one was born for church. We were born to affect the world. The church was supposed to be a stop through and we set it up as an idol.
0: Oh, mm. wow. And I'm glad that you, I, you know, I kind of got that gist. I wanted you to explain it though when I started um, listening to the podcast, because, you know, I do feel like a lot of times as Christians, we get stuck in church. Like that's the pinnacle of our experience is, is Sunday morning going to church. We do what we do. And then that's it. And it's so, sometimes it's so frustrating because it's like, no, there's more to this journey than just coming to church on Sunday morning, getting your shout and not saying anything's wrong (laughs) with that, but okay. What happens after that? You know, what, what, what happens after that and so i'm so like i I love the podcast i'm so excited and glad that you are speaking about that and just sharing that message so if you guys have not yet you know listen to the podcast subscribe download it please do so it's really good um thank you yeah for sure now for i do kind of want to address that a little bit about how we kind of get stuck in church um and that's kind of shifted a little bit since the pandemic or maybe people are realizing that okay the church is not the the pinnacle of my experience because we just really haven't been able to actually go to church yeah so can you talk to that that space a little bit about how can you really break free from that ideology of go to church and that's it like some people that's all they really know is i'm going to church but Mm -hmm. can you just talk more to that
1: yeah. And, and I don't, I don't blame any of those people. I don't, because, um, that's, that was the presentation of relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Be faithful to church, you know, don't miss Bible study. Don't miss anytime the doors open. You should be here. If you're a Christian, what well, the Bible doesn't say that it doesn't say it anywhere. And, it, and it's so disheartening because really that come to church message was really a manipulation. To grow churches, so pastors could say how many people you got, mm-hmm. and that's why when pastors sit around, a lot of times the first question isn't how healthy your church is, what how big are you, doc? How many folks you got, doc?
0: Because God. that's
1: the growth me- that's the growth measurement or barometer by which we measure growth. And so you can have a bunch of people that don't grow. I'm, I'm a gardener, right? I grow my own vegetables and and and, and fruit, and so I can have. A bunch of seeds in the ground that aren't growing and that's all I have a bunch of seeds in the ground that aren't growing and if I change the paradigm and say you know what it ain't about the growth it's about how many seeds I got Mm -hmm. (laughs) so now I'm just collecting seeds I don't really care whether they grow because I just want to tell people I got seeds and my I'm hurting when I think about the amount of churches that have seeds people and aren't worried about whether they grow. That's my fear. And most leaders don't want their people to grow too much, or they want them to grow within the house, but not without the house, because then they might find out that they got something to do in the world that has nothing to do with being stuck in the house. And so um, I, I will get buried for this message, you know? And that's fine. But I must say that I've seen too many people die from, from um, the virus of um, corruption, the virus of gossip, the virus of nonsense that happens while we all sit together in one room, which Jesus never said do. And I think all of the nonsense that the church has collected will be gone if we went outside because that's where we were supposed to be anyway. And that's simply in the Bible. That's not Christian's brain. That's the book of Acts.
0: True story. True story. So I want to... Man, I want to come back to this whole idea of growth because there may be some people who feel like they're kind of stuck in what the tradition of what they know, but they do want to grow. You know, they do want to have that greater experience. I want to come back to that, but I want to go back to your story and your journey uh, and then tie it back together because I hear a lot of you being obedient, hearing God's voice um, and you actually listening at some point, it might not have been immediate, you know, where you listen and obey, but you did at some point. Um, So talk to us about what that looked like for you, hearing the voice of God with, you know, what you were supposed to do and your next steps um, and how you were able to actually obey his voice. Well,
1: I heard God as a human. I didn't hear him as like, I heard God as a son. I didn't hear him as like this remarkable Christian that's just ready to do the will of God all the time because none of us are that. We're sons and daughters. I have children. So I understand that, um, you know, my relationship with them, sometimes they'll do things right away. Sometimes they don't, but it's the relationship that makes me understand their hesitation and different things like that. And so obedience is about knowing God as father. That's all it is. It's, It's how you know God that makes you obey God. And most of us, especially in the African-American, predominantly African-American churches, we're taught God as a big, angry, mean guy in the sky that's looking to kill you for everything you do wrong. And we, we present God that way, which scares people to death. They're too scared to leave God, but they're too scared to grow. So they just sit, mm. waiting for heaven. And so um, obedience is about seeing God as Father. I didn't see God as a father growing up. I saw God as a boss that I had to please or be trashed. And so, I mean, to the point where I even thought I was gonna die at 55, I was convinced I was gonna die at 55 and a lot of people applaud me. They say, man, you did so much in your young life. And I always just dropped my head like, don't follow that pattern. That's not decent, that's not what's up. I started so many churches and ran around the world and doing crusades because I thought that I had a boss to please. I didn't know I had a, a father that already loved me that that I didn't have to do anything and he would have been down with me anyway. And so, if we teach people God as a father, then it's easier to listen to a loving father than an angry boss.
0: For sure, and I think one of the things you mentioned was relationship, <laughs> and for me. You know i also i used to try to quote unquote do right and not sin and just try to do the right thing to to please God, but then or with the thought of oh I'm doing this to please God, but then it was kind of when the relationship actually started and i and I would you know, just develop and strengthen that relationship. It was like obedience became something that I desire because I had this relationship with God. It wasn't like I was trying to, you know, check off boxes or do the right thing. It was just like, I'm in this relationship and and I want to please him that that became a heart's desire. Not like, Oh, let me do this. So, so I don't get punished or, you know, all those things.
1: Let me say this too. Since your, since your audience is millennial women, I want to bring a a point that I think will speak directly to them concerning their relationship with God. It's like when you date somebody, you never want to date someone that you have to call or you have to go out with or or it's all going to fall apart. Every young millennial girl and guy wants a girl or a guy that they just want to hang out with. They never had to join. There was no membership. (laughs) I'm here because I desire you because you're that dope. So, but when it comes to God, we treat the relationship so much different. There's no difference. I don't, I don't have to join you. I don't have to be scared that I didn't pray today. (laughs) You know, I don't, why? Because most of the time, if I'm in a relationship, I don't think about whether I talk to you. I definitely am. And if it's not early in the morning, it's going to be at some point during the day. And I don't have to talk to you on the phone on my knees either. I can walk down the street and talk to you because we in a relationship. Right. So if millennials understand the love process between humans, surely if you treated it the same way with God, you would know him a whole lot better. And that's all I want to do. Represent Jesus because people are scared and they should not be. This is a love walk, not a fear walk.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Still talking about hearing and obeying God's voice. What were you always able to hear God's voice or was that something that just developed through your relationship? Because something I hear a lot is, you know, I don't know if this is God's voice. I don't know how to hear God, you know, or sometimes we're like, is this God or is this me? So what has kind of been your experience with that?
1: Oh, so heartbreaking. (laughs) We've made stuff so hard and I'm going to tell you why. And I know, you know, people are going to say he's always attacking leaders. I don't care. Paul attacked leaders, you know, I attack this stuff. I don't attack people directly by it. I attack the spirit of it because leaders have taught God in a way that they can get to Him, but everybody else can't. Mm-hmm. And the reason they did that was to assure that you always follow them. When you're supposed to get to God, my goal is to point you toward God, not me and then God. Now, I know someone will challenge that and say, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, but Paul was actually following Christ, so they were following Jesus, okay. right? And so You know, we we mess people up by making things difficult. Well, how do you hear the voice of God? Well, hello, when you walk down the street, something can tell you, hey, don't go right, go left. And it's like, okay, I'm going to obey that. Instead, we say, well, is that God? Is that me? The voice you trusted, the voice that sounds like wisdom, understanding, knowledge, the one that sounds like a loving father God, that's the voice. And I don't hear God's voice as God's voice. Like, Christian, turn your head toward me. I hear God like I'm talking to you. Like, like the other day, I thought in my head, I'm not going to say God told me to. I thought in my head, I need to text this person. And I text them, I love you very much, and this won't last. I had no clue what I was doing. I just obeyed it. It was me. They text me back. You always seem to send a message when I need God to say something to me. It's simple. Don't make the relationship with God hard or hearing his voice hard. Just do it. And you develop your, my sheep know my voice. So the job, the job shouldn't be to know his voice. The job should be to be a sheep. (laughs) Everybody trying to figure out his voice. You don't have to figure out his voice. He didn't tell you to figure out his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice. So be a sheep know his voice easy equation
0: right and i love that it's simplified because it it does become complicated especially when you're one of those people who has been in church all your life it's like you just feel like you got to do all these things to get to this place to get here and do that it's it becomes so complicated but i love that you're simplifying it um be a sheep right and then you'll hear his voice so now going back to your journey you know you said you were pastoring for 22 years and then you shut down the church, and I remember you told this story to our leadership, um, and it was, you know, you shut it down at the instruction of God, but it was also at a point where you were thriving as a church, (laughs) right, (laughs) so talk to us a little bit about that journey, and um, just how you were able to, because I'm sure it was enticing for you to, to be like, okay, God, like, we're doing good here. You, you really want me to do this. So talk to us about that journey and how you were still able to, despite the circumstances, be obedient and why you were. Why
1: you um, so again, God told me five years ago to do it. I, I have done nothing in my life but ministry. God didn't even give me a chance to do anything else. I've gone to college. I have a bachelor's degree um, in, in history and philosophy. I have a master's degree in leadership development. And I still never got a chance to do anything, but, but work for God, you know? So it's not like I didn't try or I wanted to, I wanted to have a career and whatever, but God kind of took my life when I was 12 or when I was 12 and that's cool. You know, it is what it is. I argue with God about that. I have, but it's cool. My relationship with him has always been very like, I don't know. It's like very regular, like a best friend. So it's like he can say, do something. It's like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. That don't make sense. I'm very scared of that. But eventually it's like, all right, well, it's just me and you. It's always been me and you. And so God, I've learned that God is a trusted voice. And this is the thing. It's not the big obedient moments. It's never the big obedient moments. It's the very small ones. It's to send a text. It's to go see your mom. Go see grandmom today. Mm -hmm. Go get in your car and drive to Center City, but drive this way instead of that way. It's very simple instructions that make the bigger instructions easier. And so everybody's looking for this gigantic move of obedience and faith, where it's really the simple stuff we miss that disallow us from making the big moves because we refuse to make the small ones, right? So it was easy for me eventually to retire because the building we bought was a quarter of a million dollars and I didn't have any money when we bought it, right? So my faith was developed over time. So when God said, walk away from that beautiful quarter of a million dollar building that's done top of the floor, it was like, yeah, that don't make much sense, but okay. Because nothing's ever made sense, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So, and mind you, that building was paid off we paid that building off, got the deed in our hand, and then God said, sell it and walk away. Huh? No. <laughs> you know, because I was telling my congregation, as soon as we sell this building, we can do ministry forever. We don't have no mortgage no more. We can dump all this money in the streets.
0: I was excited, and
1: God said, walk away.
0: Mm, I feel yeah. like God is a comedian. He and is. Just, he definitely just... But I love that you said it's the smaller moments that help us be obedient in the larger ones. And I think that's something that we do miss. Man, those small moments. And, and he's a trusted voice. And so when you begin to know that you can trust his voice, it's like, okay, what he's telling you to do, you know he's not gonna lead you somewhere um, or to a place that's gonna be to your demise. And ultimately he knows best. So I love that, I love that. I wanna talk a little bit about this whole idea of the duty of a Christian. And I know that this, would you talked about this on your podcast Um, and I found it very interesting. So tell us about your thoughts on the duty of a Christian.
1: Well, we got a job to do. You know, you can't, you can't call yourself a cop, but never do cop stuff. You can't call yourself a fireman, but never do fireman stuff. You can't be a doctor and never do doctor stuff but it seems like you could be a Christian and never do Christian stuff. And people still call you a Christian. That's always blown my mind. And so too many Christians are in the business of being blessed and they're and their pastors are constantly teaching them about being blessed. And that's why we laying hands on cars and houses and all kinds of stuff we can't afford because we're taught that that's the duty of a Christian to believe God for stuff that I can't afford. Mm-hmm. No, the duty of the Christian is the great commission. Jesus told us that on his way out the door go into all the lands, preach my gospel, make disciples. And I'm sorry we haven't done that. And I can argue anybody with, about that. We have waited for people to join our churches. Then we go on Facebook and say, 20 joined today. Did you go get them? Or were they church people that switched churches? That's uh-huh. not soul winning. And so, yes, we have a duty as pastors, leaders. We have a duty as people. And we just go to church and just say, man, thank God. Pastor really preached a message today. When was that ever Christian duty? Wow. And I know someone out there might be saying, man, he sounds angry. I should be, God is, he died for this, for a whole bunch of people to join a church and brag about how long they've been members. Mm-hmm. If that's what the cross was for, you are a liar. And I'm sorry, it's not. And so we have not done our duty and, and I'm, we cannot keep on calling ourselves followers of Christ when we don't go anywhere
0: well okay you know i was this morning i was reading and the whole the phrase lazy christianity um popped in my spirit because i like me personally personally my thought is we are in this space where or i've seen i'm not gonna say everybody but i've seen where we are in this space where we we want to receive blessings We're we want to receive like you said the houses the cars and all this and we want god to do these things for us and god do this god do that but i was reading. i don't even remember what passage i was reading but a lot of it was active it was like we had to do some stuff and i'm like we're not really doing this stuff <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing we're sitting and we're waiting to receive and yes. expecting god to do these things yes. and it's become lazy like lazy christianity i don't know what he what he wants me to do with that but that's what our our belief system has become like lazy we don't want to do anything but we just want to receive all the blessings we want to receive the goodness we want to receive the grace the mercy all these things but it's like what are we supposed to be doing
1: that's right that's what right are we
0: supposed to be doing that's right and yeah i mean that really that that really got to me and then it's like I might be going on a tangent a little bit, but I just see how there is so much that we are doing that, that doesn't even matter, like especially with this emergence of social media. And it's like, why are we doing these things? Like, do we really realize, and I'm talking specifically about Christians, like this is not what life is supposed to be about this. And there's another life that we are, you know, aiming for, preparing for, but we're so consumed with these things that that don't matter. We're in conversations that don't matter. And I'm like, am I the only person that's, that's seeing this? It's very like sometimes it feels like a surreal experience because I'm like, what's really happening here?
1: Yeah.
0: What is yeah. going on?
1: Yeah. Now now you see to your point. We're in rage right now. The world's in rage right now over the political movement, right? What's going on out there? Because because, in every day you hear, the democracy is falling apart. Everything the country was built on is falling apart. This guy is tearing. right? They're trying to save the establishment. What They're trying to save what the country was built on. And we have a whole other argument about what it was built on. <laughs> I'm, that's not the point. The point is... Do you see how hard they're going to preserve the democracy? Mm -hmm. I'm going just as hard to preserve the initial intent of the kingdom. And the initial intent was exactly what you're saying. It was a people that had all kinds of gifting and purpose and the races were supposed to mix and everybody sort of come together. So the world would see a kingdom of people that do love each other, a kingdom of people who, Are working in the miraculous a kingdom of people that are working their gifting and that's what draws souls you don't have to scare people in the heaven you give them an example of a real christian and they'll come because everybody wants to be a part of something right you think the crips and the bloods want to be gang members and kill each other no they just want to be a part of something the church hasn't presented anything to be a part of the bible does but the church has not And so we don't have to tell people, you're going to hell if you don't accept Jesus. No, just show them what a Christian was supposed to do. Everybody loved Jesus. Why does everybody hate the church now?
0: Mm. We can go on about that all day. But we'll we'll, we'll pause right there. I I want to kind of talk about this culture that we... I, I mentioned it briefly about our culture, but how... It's so much coming at us, right? And so as a Christian, how can we remain focused on the duty of the Christian, what we're really supposed to be doing in the midst of everything that's happening, all the temptations, all of, you know, societal pressures or whatever, like how can we really stay focused on our call, our assignments, what we're really supposed to be doing?
1: There's nothing more amazing in the world than to find out what you're good at and what affects the world when you do it. That's what needs to be the focus of the people. Not so much the work that needs to be done. That will get done. But what's the work that I need to do in me? Right? Because there's nothing new in you, right? You, everything God needed to put in you, he put in you when you were born, right? So you don't have to search around to find your gift. Your gift has always been here. Merely waiting your recognition of it. Mm. And so the job of the Christian is to uncover, right? Take off Kojic. Take off PAW. Take off all these denominations. Take off whether you shout. Take off on, you know, take off the nonsense. You know, the outfit and what I must wear and all the things we made so golden. Mm. Then I can find my gifting. And then it don't matter what I wear. And it don't matter what you think about it. Because I found me and we get people to find them, hallelujah, then we'll see the kingdom come. Then his will will be done. In earth, hallelujah, as it is in heaven, until people find themselves, they know Jesus. They don't know Christ in them, the hope of glory. Mm. And when they do, you'll see the kingdom come. And I ain't talking about heaven. I'm talking about the kingdom affecting the world in a way where the whole world has to turn his eyes to the city on the hill and say, what are they doing over there? That's what I'm working for. And I'll die
0: trying. Wow. I did want to circle back about this whole idea of growth and growing spiritually. Again, you know, we kind of overcomplicate that as well. But mm-hmm. if we're, you know, practically, right, in a practical sense, how can someone begin to grow spiritually so they can get to this place where, you know, they are finding themselves, they are being obedient to the, the voice of God and all those things?
1: hmm there's one great scripture that I think does this very well or explains this very well. It says, we are living epistles read of men. Right? That means that let's be honest, the guy, you know, on the corner shooting dice, selling dope, you can't tell him to read the Song of Solomon <laughs> or the book of Psalm. Because right. it's like, what you talking about? But the Bible says you are a living epistle read of men because he can read you if you're a book. The problem is Christians are so stuck on the book that they haven't become a book. And so they're not relevant because they can talk about David, but not themselves, Noah, but not themselves, uh, Leah and Rachel, but not themselves, uh, you know, uh, Daniel, but not themselves. And so, Um, that's the goal. I'm not saying don't read the Bible because I know everybody's attacking me right now about this stuff. He said don't read the Bible. They're so scared of change that they'd rather attack me than hear me. Um, I'm not saying don't read the Bible. I'm saying eventually you become a book because nobody can tell your story. David can't tell your story. Abraham can't tell your story. You tell your story about what it is to walk with God, and then you'll see people coming into themselves, and you'll see gifts coming, but right now, everybody's just guided by what the preachers say on Sunday. And if he need a big offering that week, guess what he gonna preach about? It, you, you see, that's my fear, that people don't matter in church no more. The vision of the pastor matters more than the vision of God himself. And that's what I have to go to war with. Men have made throne for themselves. In 2020, the coronavirus and all this has brought down the throne of men and they can't stand it.
0: Absolutely. And on that note... <laughs> This has been so good. The conversation has been so rich. Um, So let people know how they can connect with you further Um, and just any other final thoughts you might have. You want to share with the people.
1: I love you all. The greatest thing is that God loves you all more. And the less the message I want to give to you all that has become my message for me is that I'm not a slave. I'm a son. And I don't want to serve God as a slave. I want to serve God as a son. And for 39 years of my life, I served God as a slave. And when God revealed to me, I love you, whether you do great things or not, it changed my whole life. And then it made me want to do more great things. Because I'm not doing it because God hates me. I'm doing it because he loved me before I did anything. The voice, hallelujah, the voice of God said to Jesus Christ when he came out the water, when he was baptized by John, this is my son. In whom I'm well pleased. He didn't, Jesus hadn't done one miracle. He hadn't opened no eyes. He had not unstopped deaf ears. He had done nothing. He hadn't preached a message, had done nothing in ministry. But he already pleased his father because he was a son. And I'm telling you, stop chasing. Stop trying to do this and be that to be relevant. And I got to stay in the eye of the people. I got to write a book and create this and do a podcast. No, 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 no. All that's born after you find out who you are so stop chasing stop letting leaders make you chase Mm. slow down your pace jesus only had three and a half years to save the world and he did it without running one time (laughs) i'll stop there i love you
0: oh you just freed somebody listen that's so good that's so good listen i hope that you all really take to heart and receive the messages that were shared today um yeah, it was just good. It was good. Tell people where they can reach you, though.
1: Hang out on the podcast. Um, the podcast is really the only thing I'm really... I'm playing a bunch, but I'm, I'm living. I'm having peace, you know? So what I got out there right now is the podcast. Um, so join that. It's on Spotify. It's on Google. It's also on Apple. And a bunch of other streaming things I heard, about 40 other streaming things, services. Um, we're working on getting on Tidal. Um, so that is fun, you know, season two is, is done already. I recorded all, you know, the whole season two is coming out next month. Um, other than that, I'm looking forward to going to India. I'll be headed there to um, do some crusades, teaching the Bible schools, and we'll be rescuing children from sex trafficking um, and taking them to our, um, our homes that we have in North India. So that's where I'm going. And I'm also headed to Guyana in South America because uh, we built a school there last year and we want to expand that school and do crusades. I'm actually thinking about doing Easter in Guyana. So we're going to the world, you know, and it's going to be fun. But it's, listen, it's no big deal. I'm not anybody's king. When you see me, hang out with me. That's all.
0: Absolutely. And we will definitely keep you prayed up. And thank you so much for coming on to the podcast having a conversation with us sharing your experience and your knowledge everybody thank you for listening and catch us in the next episode of the seek god slay goals podcast thank you for tuning in to the seek god slay goals podcast stay connected with us on facebook and instagram at seek god slay goals